Welcome to PA Centered, a podcast designed to help listeners be a part of the solution to end sexual harassment, abuse, and assault. Each episode, we will take on a topic or current event to help spark conversation and break down barriers to building communities free from sexual violence. Hi, I'm Jackie Strom, the Prevention and Resource Coordinator at the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape. I'll be your host today as we're joined by Brittany Leach, Training and Education Specialist from Women in Need in Franklin and Fulton Counties right here in Pennsylvania to learn about their mindfulness program. Brittany has been providing prevention education in schools and communities across Pennsylvania for almost a decade and has been the Training and Education Specialist at Women in Need for six years. Brittany's specialties include domestic and sexual violence prevention, as well as bullying prevention, technology and social media, trauma, and mindfulness. Welcome, Brittany. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to have you here. We want to let folks know who are listening that a few years ago, you shared with me that you were working on starting a mindfulness program as a prevention strategy. And I'm just so excited for everyone to have the opportunity to hear about what you've created and how they might be able to use something similar in their work. So to get us started, can you tell us all what mindfulness is? Yeah, so there's sometimes a misconception about what mindfulness is. Really, all it boils down to is just bringing your attention to the present moment, your experiences. Uh, without judgment. So it's not always, I think sometimes people imagine like sitting quietly somewhere and emptying your mind of thoughts, uh, like meditation, but it's so much more than that. Um, There's so many different ways to be mindful, including like yoga is a form of mindfulness. Um, There's also breathing exercises, as well as kindness meditation, gratitude practices. So there's many different ways to practice mindfulness. Um, But really, it is just being present. It's being in the here and the now and not planning out what you're having for dinner or (laughs) thinking about like the 10 things that you have to do tomorrow. It's just living in the moment. That's awesome. And I know that can be really hard for folks because we live in a world where there's so much going on. Um, So I'm excited to hear about how mindfulness can really be used as a prevention strategy, which we'll get to in just a second. Um, But could you tell us what made you want to start a mindfulness program? What gave you the idea? Yes. So I was, I'm, I'm fairly new (laughs) to mindfulness. I haven't been doing this super long, Um, but I was working at a different agency in Pennsylvania um, a few years ago. And one of the counselors offered yoga classes to any staff who wanted to come. Like after work, we got to go and just debrief and do a yoga class. So I decided to try it and I loved it. And at first it didn't really like the mindfulness piece of it didn't click. Like it took me about a year for it to finally sink in and get that aha moment of, oh, like I'm actually aware of what's going on in my body and like my mind. Um, So it definitely took a while, but I never really thought about bringing it into prevention until I came to Women in Need and I started working in schools 
And I just heard from so many teachers and so many guidance counselors that they were seeing this increase in violence among students at very early ages. Um, we started seeing like kindergartners punching holes in walls. And I was like, this is, <laughs> this is not good. And I know that the one time, you know, hands are not for hitting sessions are clearly not being effective. So um, even talking with you at PCAR and working with um, preventionists at the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Domestic Violence, we were hearing the same messages of we need to build skills, we need to build skills. And I was like, these are the best skills to have. And they work, they complement our prevention work so well that I figured it would be one of the best things that we could try and see if we can actually decrease violence more than just a one session program on something that the kids are probably going to forget the next day. Yeah, building skills is so important. And some of that like emotional regulation piece, I can see how that really fits in. Yes, emotional regulation is so important for kids. And I think one of the things that inspired me the most was I I was looking for quotes for something and I came across one by the Dalai Lama that said, if we could teach every eight-year-old in the world meditation, we could end violence in one generation. And that really hit home um, to, yes, that's exactly what we want to do. How, but now how can we do that? How can we teach every kid how to be mindful, how to use those meditation techniques? Yeah. That is such a powerful statement, and I think it's just going to be really neat um, to see how this can really have that kind of impact. So I know you've done a lot of research about how practicing mindfulness can actually prevent violence, and so can you explain to us why this works? Yes. So I wanted to make sure that we had a science backing, um, especially going into schools if they felt very... Like, why are we trying this? Or what's the point of it? I could have that science to back it up. So we know um, there's so many more studies out there about mindfulness just in the past 10 years um, that have shown that it significantly helps in so many different areas, including stress reduction, um, emotional regulation and control, as well as like conflict resolution, because it really helps us kind of see it from the other person's point of view when we're actually more aware of the situation and not just reacting in that moment. So we know that those are all skills that we want to prevent violence. Um, so we definitely want to focus on those things. And it does it in so many different ways. Um, each of these practices that I use in this mindfulness program target a different part of the brain or the body that really kind of collaborate to help that person, you know, have the best relationships and hopefully prevent things like bullying and violence and sexual violence um, just through them being aware of themselves. Yeah, it sounds like this is a skill that you really could use throughout your entire life. Yes. Yeah, it definitely is. I think it's something that everybody needs, not just eight-year-olds, but probably um, even adults need to learn mindfulness and to help them be better in their own lives. Yeah, and I think that is so important when we're talking about prevention that we are really trying to kind of build the next generation, right? Like we want kids to be able to be happy, healthy, and safe so they can grow up to be adults who 
don't commit any kinds of violence and they might raise the, you know, raise their own kids and we want everybody to be able to have these skills. And so I think it's just a really neat way to be able to help people really regulate their emotions and learn how to communicate what's going on in a way that maybe they haven't learned before. So if a teacher wanted you to come in and start implementing mindfulness in their classroom, could you walk us through what that process might look like? Absolutely. So I have, I did pilot this for about a year um, before the pandemic began and shut me down. Um, But really this um, uses a unique model for like it's a unique program model so basically it uses three steps which are teach sustain and measure so it's not just a one-time lesson where an educator comes in teaches the kid and leaves this really requires teacher buy-in and teacher modeling and teachers being willing to invest in this program which I know like teachers already have so much on their plate. (laughs) They really do. Like I have friends that are teachers and I know like they're pretty much at their wits end. Um, So it feels like a big ask to say like, we need, we need your buy-in. We need you to be active in this program, but we're hoping that in the long run, it actually benefits them as well because they're going to have less stress in their classroom by using these practices on a daily basis. So it is definitely, um, something that we need them to be involved or they need to be active participants. They need to be learning along with our students um, as well as like kind of (laughs) learning it on their own a bit too and thinking about their own classroom. um, How can they fit these practices into their daily routine? Because skills aren't built once. (laughs) Like I can't come in and teach your kids skills and they're going to be perfect at it the next day. They need to be doing it on a regular basis. Like it took me a year to really figure out mindfulness for myself. So um, it does need that bit. And then once like I come in and do the presentations, then teachers are expected to keep doing those practices after I'm not there. So finding things like, okay, maybe breathing exercises will be a great thing to do as soon as they come in from recess or, hey, it's raining outside we're all stuck indoors. Let's lead the class in some chair yoga, some different ways like that they can really get these kids to practice these skills over and over, just like they're doing with math and reading um, to build those mindfulness skills as well. Um, so the other piece of it is the measure. So I do have several different evaluation tips like, and techniques built into this program. Um, So there is like a pre and post assessment for students as well as for teachers, which they redo every couple months after the program has been implemented to see if there are changes in their classroom. Um, And it does also require some classroom observation. So like me just coming in and kind of sitting in their class before we even do this to figure out, okay, where, where are we struggling? What is this classroom's needs? As well as then afterwards to see like, okay, how are they using these practices and Am I even seeing changes in their students? So it kind of comes at it like a few different ways to try to evaluate, all right, well, maybe this this exercise isn't working for this class. So how can we do something different? Or how can we make this adaptable to this room and these students and their needs? 
It definitely sounds like when you were describing what mindfulness can be and you, you know, were able to list so many different options that it really can be customized for the classroom or the students. Yeah. So there's, I think in total, I have 13 different practices that teachers can choose from. They can choose all 13 of them and learn all 13, or they can choose five of them and say, I think these would work best in my classroom. And we, they can just learn those five. So it's really up to teachers to determine what's going to work for my classroom and my space and my students. And each of these practices, they're not very long, right? Um, some of them can be longer. Like the like I use chair yoga, which you could do a whole like 10 minutes. Um, but there's ones that take literally a couple seconds or less than a minute to do. That's awesome. I think that flexibility would really help teachers be like, oh, okay, I'm not committing to doing something for 45 minutes every day. It's just like when when they feel like the class really needs it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's nothing I knew. Like if I was like, are you going to do a 20 minute um, practice every day? There was no way. <laughs> There's no way teachers have time for that. Um, so I tried to work in things that were definitely, yes, like one minute practice, a one minute like mindful bodies practice. Um, a one minute breathing exercise, just something to kind of help kids regulate before a test or after recess or whenever they're having difficulties managing themselves. So they're basically tools. <laughs> so do you find that kids are doing these practices on their own, even if the teachers aren't leading them? Yes. So that was um, after my first year of piloting it, I I ran into some struggles <laughs> and some things. I was like, oh, that, that doesn't work. I need to definitely change this. Um, but what I was hearing from teachers over and over again was even if the teachers weren't doing the, like, the practices with their students, um, students were doing them on their own. Like they would have students who would be stressed out and just do some basic like stretching in their chairs or they'd catch them doing breathing exercises. Um, I even had one student like come up to me during like when I was still doing presentations for the class and teaching them how to do these practices. Uh, I had a student come up and say, you know, my cousin came over and he was really angry. So I took him aside and taught him one of the breathing exercises to help him calm down. And his cousin had said, I wish someone had taught me this when I was in school. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So it's something that the kids definitely like to do. It's something that they recognize as beneficial to themselves. I love that it is going beyond the classroom and that the kids feel like they can teach other people in their lives these techniques too. Yes. Which is what we want. <laughs> we want it to spread. We're like, we really want this to reach out beyond the classrooms and, and help them not only deal with their own personal relationships, but maybe teach those people so that they have better relationships and get it spreading around the community. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how, yeah, even when you're angry, if you're having a fight with your partner or you're upset with your kids or something, being able to take that couple seconds to pause before you respond, like the big kind of change and impact that can have on how the rest of that interaction plays out. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 
And so I also know that in your work, being trauma-informed is really important. And, you know, I always think about that as giving choices and options for folks. And so have you run into anything where kids are like, I don't like this activity? And how do you handle that? Of course, yes. Um, You're always going to have that, at least once in a classroom. And so this is definitely one where we whenever I work with the teachers, basically the number one rule is like, you can't force your kids to do this. If they choose that they don't want to do um, the yoga session, then they don't have to, they can, you know, sit in their chair and do a breathing exercise instead, or, you know, just sit quietly and watch the other students. Because usually what would happen is I'd have a student say, Oh, I'm not doing this. This is dumb. And then they'd see everyone else doing it. And then they would eventually join in too. Um, Or maybe it was like they were having a bad day and didn't feel like they were up to doing an exercise. And that was totally up to them. The whole point of mindfulness is being aware of yourself. And if you're aware enough to say, hey, I can't do this, or this is not for me, then that's fantastic. That's the point of this. So it's definitely trying to make it um, not only adaptable to the classroom, but adaptable to each student. Yeah, that's awesome. And also, you know, it's like people might feel uncomfortable, but just encouraging them to try it, right? I'm sure that that's been something you've experienced too. Yes, I definitely still um, encourage them to um, because it definitely comes down to like, we've gotten to the point of we don't really practice mindfulness. We don't practice being present. We're too distracted all of the time. But we also have gotten to this great point of we hate feeling discomfort so we avoid it at all costs. Um, and that's not good, right? Like if, if I'm terrified and that leads to sexual violence and, you know, intimate partner violence, because if I'm not comfortable, if I don't like something, I'm more likely to act out um, and try to avoid that or treat my partner badly or do something harmful to them because I feel discomfort. So um, part of mindfulness, like, especially when we get to practices like body scan is it's okay to recognize that something doesn't feel great. Um, and it's not judging it. It's not being like, Oh, I don't like this because this hurts, but just saying, Oh, this floor feels kind of hard or, you know, I'm kind of chilly right now and recognizing that feeling and accepting that little bit of discomfort, not to be in pain, but, you know, to pay attention to those little feelings and, um, give awareness to them instead of just trying to get rid of them. Yeah. And I'm sure with those body scans, it can be so helpful for people to not even realize like where they have tension in their bodies or where like, like being able to pinpoint exactly what's going on. So maybe there is a way to figure out how to make themselves more comfortable in the future or address whatever's going on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If you're ignoring it, you're not going to be able to solve it. So Right. So it sounds like mindfulness really does help folks think about what is some of that underlying issues of what's going on or like, you know, having to get comfortable with being uncomfortable to figure out, okay, what needs to happen next so that we can resolve this in a peaceful manner? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So I know that you have lots of ideas about how to keep improving this program. And so could you tell us a little bit about where you see it going in the future? Yeah, so right now the program is only for third to fifth grade classrooms. Um, eventually, I would like to see that expanded. I've already had second grade teachers be like, really, why can't I have this? And it's just, it's not, 
developmentally appropriate for second grade yet, but I would like to get there um, as well as expand it for um, classrooms with um, special needs. Um, I did try to pilot it with a classroom that was for students with autism. It did not go so great <laughs> just because it was the, a lot of the practices are very sensory based and some of the students would begin to have sensory overload and need to stop. Um, so it was definitely something that I would like to eventually adapt it for younger um, and special needs classrooms, um, as well as just expanding it throughout the school. So getting schools to get on board with how can they implement mindfulness into their discipline practices, or you know maybe during in-services, they try some of these practices with teachers. Um, getting it part of their daily announcement routine. Maybe there's a mindfulness practice at the beginning of every school day. Um, so different things that the school can do to kind of keep this trend going and keep kids invested in it, um, as well as, you know, parent workshops. Like how can parents learn to do some of this so they can, the kids aren't just getting it at school, they're getting it at home too, and maybe benefiting parents as well. Um, and I think the other thing I'm, I'm currently working on is a website that uh, gives access to teachers so they can get like refreshers or watch little video demonstrations. So, you know, if there's hopefully not another lockdown or something, but, you know, um, heaven forbid, but maybe they come back and they're like, I totally forgot how to do this. And I'm, I'm more than happy to come back in and reteach it. But if they don't have time, maybe they can watch a quick video and get a refresher. That's awesome. I think that really goes back to your point about building skills and that if we don't keep doing it, like we do actually kind of lose those skills, right? So yes. if it's been a whole year, whether that's because of COVID and they had to do something hybrid or couldn't, couldn't do some of the things in the classroom, um, that website for teachers, I think will be really, really helpful. And I could see how it could even maybe be used for parents too. Yes. Yeah, definitely a resource for people just to get more information. Um, there's definitely, I put all the science up there. So if they, they have questions of why does this work, they can find out um, and then also get those little demonstrations, resources, videos, like anything that they would need to, to practice this. Yeah, I love that you are trying to expand this to be built into the practices of the whole school and at home, because we know that for prevention to really make sense and, and work out, um, we have to have it embedded in everything that we do. And I love what you were saying before is like, you can come in and do these things, but we know that kids are spending so much of their time in schools with teachers or at home with their parents. And so having this group of caring adults in their lives who can help them actually use these practices and techniques all the time, um, not just when you're there, right? Sounds like that's how to make it sustainable. Yes. Yeah, we want resilience in kids. We want we want them to have these skills to be resilient. So if something bad does happen, they, they can bounce back and hopefully prevent other bad things from happening to them or from them harming others. So they definitely need these skills and it definitely needs to happen over and over and over again <laughs> until they, it just sinks in and it's automatic. 
So if a teacher did want to reach out to you and they live in Franklin and Fulton counties in PA, um, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So the best way is just to go to our website at winservices.org. Um, and if they fill out the contact us form, um, I'll get that email and I can reach out to them and arrange a time to talk and meet and figure out <laughs> next steps, like how we can get into their classroom and what their needs are and how we can start. Awesome. All right. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for joining us to talk about your mindfulness program. I'm just so excited to see where this will end up. Thank you for having me. I get very excited to talk about this and I'm looking forward to getting back into schools this year and keeping the mindfulness spreading. Wonderful. All right. That's all the time we have today. Thank you all for listening to this episode of PA Centered. You can learn more about women in need and the mindfulness program by going to winservices.org. If you or a loved one needs help, a local sexual assault center is available 24-7. Call 1-888-772-7227 for more information or find your local center online at pcar.org. Together, we can end sexual violence. Any views or opinions expressed on PA Centered by staff or their guests are solely their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of PCAR or PCAR's funders.